Chapter 9 of Indian Child Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Indian Child Life by Charles Eastman. Winona's Girlhood. Braver than the bravest, you sought honors at death's door. Could you not remember one who weeps at home? Could you not remember me? Braver than the bravest, you sought honors more than love. Dear, I weep. Yet I am not a coward. My heart weeps for thee. My heart weeps when I remember thee. Sue, love song. The sky is blue overhead, peeping through window-like openings in a roof of green leaves. Right between a great pine and a birch tree, their soft doe-skin shawls are spread, and there sit two Sioux maidens amid their fineries, variously colored porcupine quills for embroidery laid upon sheets of thin birch bark, and moccasin tops worked in colors like autumn leaves. It is Winona and her friend Miniata. They have arrived at the period during which the young girl is carefully secluded from her brothers and cousins and future lovers, and retires, as it were, into the nunnery of the woods, behind a veil of thick foliage. Thus she is expected to develop her womanly qualities, in meditation and solitude entirely alone, or with a chosen companion of her own sex and age, she gains a secret strength, as she studies the art of womanhood from nature herself. Come, let us practice our sacred dance, says one to the other. Each crowns her glossy head with a wreath of wild flowers, and they dance with slow steps around the white birch, singing, meanwhile, the sacred songs. Now upon the lake that stretches blue to the eastward there appears a distant canoe, a mere speck, no bigger than a bird, far off against the shining sky. See the lifting of the paddles, exclaims Winona. Like the leaping of a trout upon the water, suggests Miniata. I hope they will not discover us, yet I would like to know who they are remarks the other innocently. The birch canoe approaches swiftly, with two young men plying the light cedar paddles. The girls now settle down to their needlework, quite as if they had never laughed or danced or woven garlands, bending over their embroidery in perfect silence. Surely they would not wish to attract attention, for the two sturdy young warriors have already landed. They pick up the canoe and lay it well upon the bank out of sight. Then one procures a strong pole. They lift a buck deer from the canoe, not a mark on it, save for the bullet wound the deer looks as if it were sleeping they tie the hind legs together and the fore legs also and carry it between them on the pole quickly and cleverly they do all this and now they start forward and come unexpectedly upon the maiden's retreat they pause for an instant in mute apology but the girls smile their forgiveness and the youths hurry on toward the village winona has now attended her first maiden's feast and is considered eligible to marriage she may receive young men, but not in public or in a social way, for such is not the custom of the Sioux. When he speaks, she need not answer him, unless she chooses. It was no disgrace to the chief's daughter in the old days to work with her hands. Indeed, their standard of worth was the willingness to work, but not for the sake of accumulation, only in order to give. Winona has learned to prepare skins, to remove the hair and tan the skin of a deer, so that it may be made into moccasins within three days. She has a bone tool for each stage of the conversion of the stiff rawhide into velvety leather. She has been taught the art of painting tents and rawhide cases, and the manufacture of garments of all kinds. Generosity is a trait that is highly developed in the Sioux woman. She makes many moccasins and other articles of clothing for her male relatives, or for any who are not well provided. She loves to see her brother the best dressed among the young men, and the moccasins especially of a young brave are the pride of his womankind. Her own person is neatly attired, but ordinarily with great simplicity. 
Her doe-skin gown has wide, flowing sleeves. The neck is low, but not so low as is the evening dress of society. Her moccasins are plain, her leggings close-fitting, and not as high as her brother's. She parts her smooth jet-black hair in the middle, and plaits it in two. In the old days, she used to do it in one plate, wound around with wampum. Her ornaments, sparingly worn, are beads, elk's teeth, and a touch of red paint. No feathers are worn by the woman unless in a sacred dance. She is supposed to be always occupied with some feminine pursuit or engaged in some social affair, which also is strictly feminine as a rule. There is an etiquette of sitting and standing which is strictly observed. The woman must never raise her knees or cross her feet when seated. She seats herself on the ground sideways with both feet under her. Notwithstanding her modesty and undemonstrative ways, there is no lack of mirth and relaxation for Winona among her girl companions. In summer, swimming and playing in the water is a favorite amusement. She even imitates with the soles of her feet the peculiar resonant sound that the beaver makes with her large flat tail upon the surface of the water. She is a graceful swimmer, keeping the feet together and waving them backward and forward like the tail of a fish. Nearly all her games are different from those of the men. She has a sport of wand throwing, which develops fine muscles of the shoulder and back. The wands are about eight feet long, and taper gradually from an inch and a half to half an inch in diameter. Some of them are artistically made, with heads of bone and horn, so that it is remarkable to what a distance they may be made to slide over the ground. In the feminine game of ball, which is something like shinny, the ball is driven with curved sticks between two goals. It is played with from two or three to a hundred on a side, and a game between two bands or villages is a picturesque event. A common indoor diversion is the deer's foot game, played with six deer hoofs on a string, ending in a bone or steel awl. The object is to throw it in such a way as to catch one or more hoofs on the point of the awl, a feat which requires no little dexterity. Another is played with marked plum stones in a bowl, which are thrown like dice, and count according to the side that is turned uppermost. Winona's wooing is a typical one. As with any other people, love-making is more or less in vogue at all times of the year, but more especially at midsummer, during the characteristic reunions and festivities of that season. The young men go about usually in pairs, and the maidens do likewise. They may meet by chance at any time of day, in the woods or at the spring, but oftenest seek to do so after dark just outside the teepee. The girl has her companion, and he has his for the sake of propriety or protection. The conversation is carried on in a whisper, so that even these chaperones do not hear. At the sound of the drum on summer evening, dances are begun within the circular rows of teepees, but without the circle the young men promenade in pairs. Each provides himself with a plaintive flute, and plays the simple cadences of his people, while his person is completely covered with his fine robe, so that he cannot be recognized by the passer-by. At every pause in the melody he gives his yodel-like love-call, to which the girls respond with their musical sing-song laughter. Matosapa has improved every opportunity, until Winona has at last shyly admitted her willingness to listen. For a whole year he has been compelled at intervals to repeat the story of his love. Through the autumn hunting of the buffalo, in the long cold winter he often presents her kinsfolk with his game. At the next midsummer the parents on both sides are made acquainted with the betrothal, and they at once begin preparations for the coming wedding. Provisions and delicacies of all kinds are laid aside for a feast. Matosapa's sisters and his girl cousins are told of the approaching event, and they too prepare for it. 
since it is their duty to dress or adorn the bride with garments made by their own hands. The bride is ceremoniously delivered to her husband's people, together with presents of rich clothing, collected from all her clan, which she afterward distributes among her new relations. Winona is carried in a travoy handsomely decorated, and is received with equal ceremony. End of Winona's Girlhood